Go ahead and get there. That's where we'll be picking up from. Uh, next Sunday, a week from today, we're going to have a guest speaker, the guy um, who's coming to do our weekend event this weekend. Uh, is also going to be speaking to us on Sunday. Um, so just a reminder for those of you that are in the Atlanta area this coming week, don't forget about that, March 24th, 25th. The details are on the postcards on the back table um, if you want that information. Um, but I say that because normally the last week of the month is our week that we do a lesson and we do some different things, but particularly centering on what has been our theme for the year, which is to my left, um, becoming partakers of the divine nature. If you're here for the Bible class, you know that we always kind of end our Bible classes when we're studying through the text, kind of asking that question, either what have we learned about the divine nature? How does this help us understand it? Something along those lines, because that's our theme for the year. And so every last Sunday of the month, we have a sermon or a lesson geared towards that theme. And today we're going to be talking about perseverance. If you want to read with me in 2 Peter chapter 1, um, you can kind of see where uh, this idea of perseverance is coming from in this text. Uh, give me just one moment to get there. All right, 2 Peter chapter 1, we'll begin reading here um, in verse 3. His, being God, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. And in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So certainly the divine nature that we've been discussing ever since September, that we've been kicking around trying to understand and grasp, um, is divine, right? And this text is talking about you can become... It's just talking to people, you can become partakers of that divine nature, um, which is an amazing concept in and of itself to think that I can have a part in something godly, like of God, divine. And he's saying like your nature can be changed in such a way that you're no longer like fleshly or just a physical nature or a temporary nature, but that you're, you can have a divine nature. Um, and so we've been talking about that and this list of qualities that comes after is not so much a description of the divine nature, though I think you could extrapolate that. I think the idea in this text is because you've become, past tense, because you've become partakers of the divine nature, you need to work on being these things, right? And so one of the things uh, in the translation that I just read from the ESV, it says uh, in verse 6, steadfastness. That's the word that some translations are going to say, perseverance. 
Some may even say endurance, something like that. I'm going to talk this morning or this afternoon uh, with the language of perseverance, so just know that's what I mean, steadfastness, endurance. Uh, but perseverance is one of the, the qualities that those of us, Christians, believers, as partakers of the divine nature, we're to be practicing perseverance. Um, the first question that I, I kind of always consider when I, when I think about a biblical teaching is why, right? Like, why? Sometimes the answer is more clear than other times. Like, think about Job always asking why when he's going through the suffering that he's going through. And that, those are big answers. Those are really deep answers as to why, right? Like, why is this happening to me? Um, but I ask that question. When I think about perseverance, why is that in this list? Why do I need it? Why, as a partaker of the divine nature, is that something that I should be putting on? A quality that I should be growing in? Um, and I, I have come up with, in thinking about this and trying, you know, praying about it, trying to come up with thoughts on it, a few things. And I don't want to present this as every possible why. But certainly from my mind and from what I'm reading in scripture, I see a few whys, right? In fact, in verse 8, I think is a why. You don't even have to leave Second Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think you can take any one of these qualities and insert it for these qualities. You could say, for if perseverance, right? For if perseverance is yours and is increasing, it keeps you from being ineffective or unfruitful, right? So maybe that's an answer to the why, at least on some level, right? In fact, verse 9 is kind of the same way. For whoever lacks perseverance, this quality, right, is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. So you have both a positive and a negative attributed to all of these qualities. But as we're looking today at perseverance, you could say, well, perseverance is necessary so that I don't become ineffective and unfruitful. Perseverance is necessary so that I'm not considered nearsighted and blind, having forgotten that I was cleansed from my sins, right? I've moved into being a partaker of the divine nature. So even within this text, we start seeing reasons why on some level. But I, I wanted to try to like get a little deeper because that doesn't explain all the practical reasons in my life, maybe why perseverance is necessary. Um, so I want to look at Luke chapter 8. So if you want to turn there as well, Luke chapter 8. Why supplement my faith, which is what Second Peter's talking about, with perseverance. In Luke chapter 8, and I want to say that all these texts that we're going to turn to, this is the same word that's in Second Peter uh, chapter 1 for perseverance. It's the exact same word that we're going to see here in these texts. Um, though it may be rendered a little differently in the English. But in uh, Luke chapter 8, let's read verses 11 through 15 together. So, of course, Jesus tells the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8, right? Or you're, you may think of it as the parable of the soils or the seeds or however you think about that, where he describes throwing seeds on ground and the different grounds or soils that receive those seeds and kind of what they produce. But then the disciples that are around basically ask Jesus to explain it because they don't get it. And beginning in verse 11, as part of his explanation here, he says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. 
And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but they go on their way. uh, Sorry, as they go on their way, they are choked by the uh, cares and riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Verse 15, that hold it fast is the same word that we see in Second Peter chapter 1. And you'll notice some of the kind of parallels of verse 15 with the concepts of chapter 1 of Second Peter that we read in verses 8 and 9 particularly, right? For if these qualities are yours and increasing, you'll... Uh, it'll render it'll keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins that sounds a lot like some ideas in place in verse 15 in Luke 8 and one interesting thing about this connection is that perseverance seems to be the link right um, I know we zeroed in on perseverance in Second Peter 1. There's a whole list of qualities, and you could kind of insert any one of them into verses 8 and 9 of Second Peter 1. But in Luke 8, it seems to be perseverance is like the focal point of an honest and good heart and bearing fruit. Um, we didn't read the beginning of Luke 8 where we actually have the parable. We just read the explanation of it. But there's all these seeds spread around by this sower. Um, and it's not till the last one that you actually see fruit born. You see growth in some sense. Like you see no, no growth in the first one, a little bit of growth in the second one. You see a plant shoot up and it seems to be okay with the third one, but there's really no roots. And so when the sun comes out, it gets scorched. It's not till the last one that you see something grow and bear fruit, which Really, if you think about it, if you're planting seeds, you want the fruit, right? Like, even with flowers, like, if a plant doesn't flower, it's failed, right? Like, someone doesn't typically plant something to see it halfway get to the goal, right? They want to see it fully mature, get the fullness of what it's supposed to be, which is the idea of a fruit, right? Patience or or, sorry, not patience. Perseverance is what's listed or told to us as being the thing that gets you there. Which think about the parables language. Um, And I'm talking about the explanation. Look at some of the things that come along that if perseverance was absent would just kind of be the focal point of the story. Right. Which is for several of the seeds are the focal point of the story. In verse 12, you have the devil comes along, right? And for lack of perseverance, you see that he succeeds in that task. In verse 13, you see that there are times of testing, as it's said. And in verse 13, those went out, right? There's no perseverance there. There's no root as the language is using. And then in verse 14, the one that fell among the thorns, kind of being representative that we find out of the pleasures of this life. And guess what? There's no perseverance there, so they win. Without perseverance, the devil, times of testing, pleasures of life are the things that win. 
right? They come along and they're not overcome because they're strong, they're persuasive, they're pain, right? And without something pushing you as a Christian, as a, someone who partakes in the divine nature, without that quality that pushes you through or over that thing, that's going to be what wins, right? But when you introduce perseverance as a Christian, when you think about that quality abounding and growing so that you can be fruitful, like Second Peter 1 teaches us, that's how you get to verse 15, right? They're the good soil, the ones with perseverance. They hear the word. They hold fast in an honest and good heart, and they bear fruit. In fact, Luke 8 isn't the only place that the idea of perseverance and fruit go hand in hand. Uh, if you want to turn to Luke 21, it exists there as well. Again, we're going to see the same word for perseverance, though it may be translated differently like it was in Luke 8 with hold fast. Luke 21, and we're going to read verses 10 through 19 together here. So Jesus is warning the disciples here of a lot of like really difficult things that are going to happen in their lifetimes and to the people they love even and to their friends and family. And we get to verse 10 and Jesus says to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you'll be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. And this will be your opportunity to bear witness. Settle it, therefore, in your minds, not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you, or some of you they will put to death. You'll be hated by all for my namesake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. That last phrase, by your endurance, is our word. By your perseverance, you gain your life. Um, <laughs> uh, if you're looking for a pick-me-up, I don't know if you go to Luke 21, um, typically, because it's a terrible picture. And what's interesting in this this portrait of all the things that are going to occur what we would say are trials and persecutions and just not times that we would wish, as we say, even on our enemies, right? Um, Jesus, interestingly, talks about how they're going to be hurt and they're going to be killed, yet not a hair on their head's going to be harmed. And I don't think he means, like, you won't be killed or hurt. And I think what he's saying is verse 18, I mean, verse 19, you're actually going to gain your life by going through this stuff. Why? Because he is operating under the assumption that as Christians, as believers, as we might say partakers of what is divine, they will have endurance. They don't just get blown with the breeze to and fro as we talked about in Ephesians 4, right? They have something steadfast that they hold on to, that they cling to. Notice all the things that could have been kind of the thing that won out in this text, right? Like we talked about in Luke 8. In verse 10, there's wars. Verse 11, there's earthquakes and famines. Verse 12, persecutions. And there's all kinds of descriptions of various types of that in this text. 
Even verse 16, this might hit home for all of us, right? Betrayal by friends and family. That would stop a lot of us in our tracks, wouldn't it? That'd be like the thing that maybe we couldn't push through. And in verse 17, maybe most basically, there's just people that hate them. Right? None of those things are easy to push through. Um, I've never gone through a war personally, but I can't imagine like what it is to endure that. Right? I've watched movies about wars and watching civilians have to endure that seems terrible. Earthquakes and famines might be the most relatable. We've seen like some floods and you know hurricane type things that have happened here in the recent past, maybe friends and neighbors, and that seems like a pain to have to endure that, right? But man, think about your friends and family betraying you. Think about people personally attacking you and hating you, and that's where a lot of people might give up. But Jesus says that the people that he's talking to, his believers, will have endurance that will save their lives. You know what the difference is between uh, an apostate and a martyr? I think it's endurance. It's perseverance. You know, someone who gives up versus someone who goes to the very end and gains their life. Right? I think uh, I watched a movie uh, a while back, and I've recommended it to some of you just because I thought it forces you to think through some hard questions. But basically the whole movie, you're asking the question, really, like, What's the difference between an apostate and a martyr? The movie's called Silence. You can go look it up later. But, like, it kind of, the movie, the point of the movie kind of makes them look the same. Like, it doesn't really dwell on the endurance that gains life. It just kind of dwells on the, the here and now. And it kind of forces you to think about, all right, like, if I denounce Jesus, if I do not persevere, what really is different? Right? Like, I saved my life. Right? I seemingly saved my life and potentially even saved the life of other people. But Jesus' teaching does not tell us that. Endurance leads to death, leads to famines and wars and hate and families breaking up and betraying each other. But at the end of the day, it's what saves your life. Um, look at Romans 15. Uh, this is... Asking ourselves the question, why supplement my faith with perseverance? This will be the last text that we look at with regard to that question. Romans 15, we'll read verses 4 through 6. It's a shorter reading here. Paul speaks to us and he says this, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance... And encouragement grant to you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just want to stop there for a minute. And I know I'm like pulling a small excerpt out of a greater work by Paul. Um, but there's a couple of things that I think we can pull out of this that aren't, you know, manipulating the text. First, we looked at Luke 8 and we asked why supplement faith with uh, perseverance well because it's what pushes us through the difficulties right and ultimately in that we see we bear fruit that's why that's when we bear fruit and then in Luke 21 we saw that we gain our lives when we persevere right as believers but I think this text shows us a couple other things in verse 4 it's so that we have hope right um, 
In this text, for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction that through, there's our word, endurance, and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. There's something about enduring, persevering, that like gives a hope, right? In fact, when you consider an apostate, someone who gives up on their faith, and then you consider a martyr, someone who dies for it, you got to think the like motivating primary like factor that keeps a martyr a martyr keeps them from being an apostate is the hope that they have right like they really believe that they gain their life by enduring right and that's what paul's saying here he's saying you know it's all written everything in the past has been written by the prophets and the apostles and all these people they've been written so that we can have encouragement and endurance and hope, right? But also, that's not the only thing he says here. Um, he says that reproach is going to be born in verse 3, right? When he speaks of Jesus, he speaks of his followers. That you can't have endurance without trial, right? You're not really enduring if it's something you don't want to do in some capacity, some challenge. And there's, there's a reproach to be born. Richard talked about Hebrews chapter 13, and that's like a prime point in that text is that Christ went outside bearing his reproach, right? And so we too must bear reproach and go out to him, right? In Hebrews 13. And so endurance is bearing reproach. But I also want to look at verse 5 here before we move on. I find this interesting and I'm not sure I ha- I'm the I have the best way to talk about this or maybe someone else could explain this better. But in verse five, it says, may the God of, and here's our word, same word, endurance and encouragement grant to you to live in such harmony, one another, so on and so forth. I just want to zero in on that God's character, you might say, or maybe you could even say nature is one of endurance, of perseverance, now, it's, it's a weird concept when you start thinking about the character of God because he seems to break all of the rules that we tend to think about things with because we've only experienced flesh first. That's kind of our lens through which we see things. Um, but something about God and his nature and his character can be described as one of perseverance. Um, I think that's true in that he's eternal. Like, in a sense, that's a perseverance, right? Like, he, he never ends He always continues. He always perseveres. And certainly it's true in the sense that he's never defeated. You know, he's whatever and zero against whoever comes against him. Right. So he always perseveres. He always endures or overcomes the challenges ahead of him. And so I think that's interesting as it relates to second Peter chapter one, because we're partakers of the divine nature. Well, who are we considering the God of endurance? So we got to persevere. Right. The last thing that I want us to look at is in James. Uh, You can turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. So I think those are a few of the reasons. I don't think that's every reason scripture gives of why we put on perseverance. But I think fundamentally we do it because we bear fruit. We do it because um, we gain our lives. And we do it because... Jesus showed us that that's how you bear reproach. And then lastly, you do it because 
God is of perseverance. We want to be like God. But the next question that I want us to consider is, so how do we how do we do it? How do we develop perseverance, right? This may be kind of a no-brainer on some level, but I think it's worth talking about um, because the scripture talks about how to do this. And, and James chapter 1 uh, gives us a really good picture on what this is. If you want to look at verses 2 through 4 here. So James is writing to the 12 tribes of the dispersion, and he says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces, here's our word, steadfastness or perseverance. And let perseverance have its full effect, that you may be, uh, be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay, so how does one develop perseverance? Go through trials. And uh, certainly what I'm not suggesting is for you to go, like, you know, call names at the cops or, you know, get on your parents' bad side or steal something. Like, obviously, that's not I'm not saying, hey, bring trial on yourself in that way. But what he is talking about is like brothers, right? Christians, trials are going to come to you. That's what Jesus talked about in Luke 21. Wars and famines and persecutions and hatred and brothers against mothers and so on and so forth. They're going to come to you. And when they come, with what kind of viewpoint do you receive them? Well, in verse 2 he says, joyfully. Now, I could assume that probably everybody in in the room, that's like a counterintuitive response to a trial. My response is to complain. That's me. You might, you know, get stubborn. Maybe that's like your response or maybe you like get, feel defeated and deflated and you get depressed. Maybe that's your response. But what James is saying is you need to count it as joy. And the reason for that is because when you encounter trials, you know that your faith is going to be tested. And as someone of divine nature, what's that going to produce in you? Well, it should produce endurance. It should produce perseverance. And when perseverance is exists, or as he says here, kind of in effect in its fullness, guess what you're rendered? You're full or you're complete. You're more like God than you've ever been. You might say it that way, right? Like you are complete and you're perfect. And I don't think that's without blemish and like you'll ever make a mistake again. But what the point of that is, is like God has kind of a mold for you which we talked about in Ephesians 4, right? Growing into Christ. And when you allow trials to kind of per, like shape you and grow you, then you are everything God intended for you to be. Right? You're full and you're complete. Right? And so one of the answers to this, how does one develop perseverance, is to count trials as joy. Knowing that you'll be completed and made perfect by them. But then the last text we're going to look at before we conclude here is also in James in chapter 5. Daniel read this for us. So I won't read it all again. But he zeroes in on perseverance here in this, this text. But he talks about it with a couple of images. One is the farmer and like his practices like him farming and the second uh here in this text is 
the coming of the Lord is like the literal that's kind of being discussed here. And he offers the farmer as the, the, the figure. But in this coming of the Lord, he's saying, be patient for that. Right. When I think of patience, I think of waiting a long time. And I think that's kind of what he's getting at. But he says in verse eight, be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another so that you not be judged. And then in verse 10, as an example of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. If you think about the stories of all the prophets, they're miserable sounding stories. Now, obviously, what's focused on in those stories is the word of the Lord and spiritual like uh, attention is being paid and, and fruit is being born. But like their lives seem miserable. Like if you ever have you ever thought I want the life of a prophet? Like go read Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel. Like it just all seems terrible. Like their life seems like awful. Now, certainly God has rewarded them. But their life seemed like one long trial. Like however long they lived, if it was 70 years, then their life was a 70-year trial, right? But what he's saying in this text is take them as an example. That sounds awful, personally. But he's saying take them as an example. And then in verse 11, we consider those blessed who persevere, who remain steadfast. So actually, I think what James is saying is like the life of the prophet seems awful, right? It seems terrible. But if you're a, if you're a Christian, if you're a partaker of the divine nature and you're interested in spiritual things, then you're going to actually look at them kind of like you look at trials counterintuitively. You're going to look at the prophets as being blessed people. Right? Um, so the last thing that I want us to get out, the, get out of this is in verse 7. You focus on the coming of Jesus. How do you develop endurance? Well, focus on the coming of Jesus. Verse 8, you establish your heart, as he says. Verse nine, you rem- or verse 10, you remember the prophets and count them blessed. Don't think of them as miserable and don't dread that kind of life, right? And all of those things together get you to verse 11, where it says, Uh, You have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Ultimately, how does one develop perseverance? By seeing the compassion and mercy of God. There's no trial that's bigger than God's mercy. There's no temptation or, or, you know, persecution that's greater than his mercy. And so if we really believe that, if we really believe that, by endurance we'll gain our lives and we'll bear fruit and all these good things, then that's a way that we remember God's mercy and his compassion. And despite trials trying to convince us that maybe he's not those things, right? He doesn't seem merciful and he doesn't seem compassionate. The opposite is true, in fact. That should establish even more so the fact that God is merciful and that he is compassionate. I'm going to end with a quotation here. Um, Who wrote it doesn't matter, but I want you to try to listen to it and see what you get out of it as it relates to perseverance. So this is what it says. When God shall give you a rich return for all you have done for him, you will blush to think you ever doubted. You will be ashamed to think you ever grew weary in his service. You shall have your reward. Not tomorrow, so wait. Not the next day, perhaps, so be patient. You may be full of doubts one day. Your joys sink low. 
It may be rough, windy weather with you and your spirit. You may even doubt whether you are the Lord's. But if you've rested in the name of Jesus, if by the grace of God you are what you are, if he is all your salvation and all your desire, have patience. Have patience for the reward will surely come in God's good time. I think that's the attitude that endures. And so if there's anyone here um, that needs the prayers of this group, needs to repent of sins that relate to not enduring particularly, but if you see any kind of error in your life, this is the group you want praying for you. This is the time because God doesn't promise us another second other than the second that we're in. Blake is going to lead for us a really pertinent song as it relates to this topic. Um, so use this song as kind of a way to think about uh, where you are spiritually. And if there's any needs, let us know while we're singing.